I grew up in a tradition where people said amen even during the preaching. So I'm getting the clue that maybe the only way I'm going to get an amen during the preaching is to start singing my sermons. (laughs) Or I may run you all off (laughs) if I start doing that. Today is the second week of our Lenten worship series titled 40 Acts. As you all know, the tradition usually during the Lent season is, is that you give something up for Lent. But our invitation this year is for you to learn how to give your best of something in you during the season Lent. How to give the best of your life and your acts of worship and service during this season. To think of Lent as a 40-day journey with 40 opportunities to act generously toward God and towards others. Now last week we thought about what it meant for us to develop deliberate practices. That giving may not necessarily come natural to us, so we are encouraged to deliberately practice giving in order that it does become a natural part. It helps prepare us to give our very best to God and to others. This week we're going to consider what it means for it to begin within the walls of the church. I'm going to propose something to you, a concept, an idea. I don't know if it's a universal truth or not, but but at least an idea or an opinion. I believe that it's really hard for us to practice our faith outside the church if we're not really good about practicing it inside the church. If we're not real good about practicing our faith with one another, I don't know if we can really do an exceptional job of it in the world beyond. This is the place where God wants to form and shape us in our faith so that we might have a faithful witness in the world around us. Will you grant me a couple minutes to make my case? Where are you going anyway? Right? Yeah? Thank you very much. So most of you all know that I grew up in the Baptist tradition, right? You guys know that. Uh, summer between uh, fifth grade and sixth grade, we had a family that lived down the street from us, the Anderson family. They invited my siblings and I to go to church with them one Sunday, so we went to church with them. It was Blue Ridge Baptist Temple. Some of you might have heard of that church, might know. You all probably know where it is. Anybody who has driven eastbound on 470 and gotten to Blue Ridge and saw the big church that's right down the corner right there, that's Blue Ridge Baptist Temple or where it used to be. I grew up going to that church. The pastor at that time was Reverend Dr. Parker Daly, a contemporary of Peggy Evans. She knows Parker, right? Went to school with him. But he was our pastor. And so we went to church a lot. You went Sunday morning for Sunday school. And then you stayed for church in the worship service. Then you came back Sunday evening for church. And then if you didn't have enough between Sunday morning and Sunday evening, you came back on Wednesday evening for prayer meeting. And then on Thursday you came for visitation so that you could go visit the members of the church and other folks. And then if you really hadn't had enough church, there was usually an activity for the youth either Friday, Saturday, or or Sunday night. I went to church a lot. My parents were probably fairly thankful for that because it kept me out of most of the trouble that I could have gotten into. Most of the trouble I did get into was with all of my church friends. (laughs) Yeah, you know. So I went to church a lot. Now you might wonder why. why. Why go to church that much? The basic answer is it was the way I was raised. That was our tradition. But there were some outcomes that they kind of had in mind 
about going to church that much. To be exhorted and trained in a right understanding of scriptures, to learn how to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the world around you, to be a living example of it, to openly share our faith with our friends and those that lived around us and our family that maybe didn't go to church. That was the understanding of the tradition. That's why you came to church as much as you did. And now, I'm a recovering Baptist who serves as a United Methodist minister. Go figure that one out, would you? Right? But I want you to think for just a moment, why is it that you come to church? Why is it that you come to St. John's? With all the other interests that each and every one of us hold, with all the options of things that you could do on a beautiful Sunday morning, when it's usually a little warmer, but on the most beautiful Sunday mornings, all the things that you could do, why are you here? Why church? If you think about it, some of us come on Sunday mornings because it is habit. It is tradition. It is the way that we were formed and shaped. Some of us come for social connection with a group of like-minded people. Others of us may find this to be the one hour where we can think about God in our week because we have no other time in our week to think about God. It could be that this is the place that feeds you spiritually, fuels you, gets you ready for the week that is yet to come, some of the challenges you might be facing. Others of us come to have our wounds tended, our questions answered, our needs met, our grief supported. We come to church for a variety of reasons. Gallup did a poll and asked people why they went to church, and here's the responses that they received. 23% of the folks survey said they go to church for spiritual growth and guidance. 20% said to keep them grounded and guided. 15% said faith practice. Another 15% said to worship God. 13% said to fellowship with others around them. 12% said because they believe in God, and another 12%, the final 12%, said simply tradition. It's the way they were raised. Now I want you to notice something about the survey and the responses. As I read these answers, they indicated to me how much we think about church based upon our individual needs and desires. How much we think about what we get from church, right? My spiritual growth and grounding, my faith, my worship, my need to connect and belong, my traditions is often how we conceive of this. I want to ask you a question, though. Why is it that we don't think of it from a primary view of community? Why is it we don't think about church as the place in which God is calling me to come and give myself away to another group of people? To give my best to a community that I belong to. If you think about our, our text, Romans, last week we, we heard a little bit about Paul and Paul's writing of this letter to the Roman churches. We learned last week that Paul had never been to Rome, so this is a, a fresh group of people that he is writing to. He did not establish the churches 
in Rome. Rather, this is a letter of introduction that he writes. He's got some particular purposes behind it. One might be that he's seeking financial support from them. Because Paul is a missionary who has a missionary journey in mind. He wants to go to Rome, and from Rome he wants to go to, do you remember? Spain, right? So he's got a particular kind of goal in mind when it comes to writing this letter. In the first couple of verses of chapter 12, we learned about his understanding of formation, faith and practice, that he says that we are to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, pleasing unto God, and through that, through that practice of being a living sacrifice, our minds will be transformed. Paul believes that you practice your way into a new understanding of God, God's community, God's purposes, God's kingdom. And so Paul's encouraging people to practice, deliberately practice their faith. And then he gets on and he says, do so through the measure of faith that God has given each and every one of you. And to understand that you're not any better than anyone else that's sitting in the church pews. Don't think too highly of yourself. Think of the word humility that was in our liturgy today, right? To think less of yourselves and to think more about the people who are part of your community of faith because you are interconnected one with another. Do you remember the image that he uses? It is a body, a human body. He uses that image over and over in his pastoral letters to define for people how we are connected one to another. We are not independent little parts who come and sit down in a pew. We are the body of Christ, interdependent upon one another, just as the body is interdependent upon all of its parts. Each and every one of us, God has crafted us to be a unique part of this body of Christ and to live fully into it, to give of ourselves fully to it. We are independent upon, interdependent upon one another for mutual love and for mutual care with each other, for exhortation, reproof, correction, for encouragement and strengthening. We are all dependent upon one another and we all need to be dependable in our role which means that each and every one of us must not only know what part of the body we are, but we must be a living sacrifice in how we live that out in our community, practicing, playing our part in the body of Christ. You, you might have heard the rule before, the 80-20 rule. How many of you have heard of the 80-20 rule? Anybody that's worked in, a, in an organization has probably heard of the 80-20 rule. The 80-20 rule says that 20% of the people in an organization do 80% of the work, right? One commentary on Romans cited an unnamed study that says 15% of folks who are part of a church community are actively engaged in its mission and its giving, the other 85% are a little more loosely affiliated with the community of faith, coming for their own kinds of reasons and needs. Now think with me. If only 15% of your body worked, where would you be? Comatose in a hospital, right? You'd be on life support. Right? Think about the church then. If only 15% of the church body functions at full health, where are we? Where will we be? 
Last weekend, Margaret and I took an opportunity, since it was so beautiful out, so nice last weekend, a little windy, but it was nice last weekend, we decided we'd do a little yard work in our backyard. And so we started raking up everything and tending and cutting and all of these kinds of things. And before you know it, we had just found out that we had collected about 17 bags of yard waste. So now I've got all these bags sitting in my garage waiting to get disposed of. But one of the things that I noticed was is as I looked at my arms, I had little cuts and little scrapes here and there. But not a one of them was bad enough that I needed to stop what I was doing and tend to it. Right? Just superficial little wounds here and there. We all know that if we have a really gaping bad wound, you've got to do something about it. Amen? Right? You just can't keep walking and and going on and bleeding yourself out, you've got to stop, you've got to clean the wound, you've got to tend it, you've got to bandage it, all those kinds. You've got to do what's going to bring you back to health. As a church, we are the same way. I would say to you this morning, dear friends, that I think there is a wound in our body, the body of Jesus Christ. And let me tell you why I believe that. Most of you know that Denny Odes retired about mid-last year. Right? Denny was our director of congregational care, and in her role, she was a vital part of the ministries of our church. She visited our members who could not make it and still can't make it to weekly worship. She visited folks who were in the hospital, who were going in for surgery. She would provide resources to people because she had a a good skill set when it came to social work and how to organize and help people find the resources they needed. She was a critical member of our community of faith and as our and our team. But when she retired, we made a conscious economic decision not to fill her position. And I would say to you that part of the body of Christ is missing. That we have a wound that I believe needs to be addressed. But how? How do we address this? There's a guy by the name of Stephen Sample, Dr. Stephen Sample. He was the president of the University of Southern California. Now, most of you probably don't know who Stephen Sample is, but you benefit from him. He was an engineer by education and by trade, and he is the holder of several different engineering patents, electrical engineering, and one of them is the patent for the electronic timer that is in every single one of our small appliances. So you think about your microwave, your coffee pot, all those things. He created the little electronic timer that goes in to all of those. Smart, genius guy, right? He taught leadership courses at USC with Warren Bennis. Those of you who study leadership know that name, Warren Bennis, right? He is also the author of a book called The Contrarian's Guide to Leadership. And he has some different kinds of ideas about things. And one of the concepts in his book that has always stuck with me is this. He says, there is no such thing as well-rounded people, only well-rounded teams. There are no such things as highly productive generalists, only good who, people who are really great at their specialties, the areas where they're gifted, talented well-trained. And so he thinks that you ought to allow people to be successful in the areas that they're really good at and then form teams so that they're well-rounded and complementary of each other. I keep taking the spiritual gifts inventory over and over and over, hoping that maybe one of these days I'll get a different set of results. You know, Einstein's theory of insanity, 
right? Well, it never happens for me. The same things keep coming up on my spiritual gifts inventory. Teaching and preaching, leadership, exhortation, encouragement. So did you notice that there's some things missing? In the nine spiritual gifts, nobody really ever embodies all nine of them short of Jesus Christ. All the rest of us only get a few of those. We can't live into all of them because God doesn't gift us that away. And so mercy and helps and compassion are further down the list for me because it's not how God has gifted me. Which means that the gifts that Denny possessed, I don't possess. And therefore, I won't be really, really good at doing her function or even trying to assume to do her function. I can do an adequate job at it, but it will not bring the body of Christ to whole health if Jim tries to do it on his own. So let me speak a little plainly with you. All right? We've been reviewing last year's budget and our finances for the church. We have put together a proposed budget for this year. And based upon our commitment cards that we have received, a four-year running average of unpledged giving, and other resources that come into the church, we have funded for 2017 the priorities that we believe that we can fund. But the one that we can't fund is a director of congregational care. To fill it, we're going to have to think about as a congregation what it might mean for us to give a little bit more of ourselves. Part-time, we're thinking about twenty-five, probably about $25,000. If we want someone full-time in that capacity, then we're thinking about $45,000. Dear friends, I believe that capacity is here if we believe it is a priority for the full health of St. John's as the body of Christ. Now, Certainly we could also fill the void with a volunteer, and I'm certainly willing to speak with anybody who wants to volunteer for this position as long as you understand the proviso that it's going to take up a lot of your time and your talent and your effort. But maybe the answer is simply this, dear friends. To be reminded that every single one of us has been created by God to be givers and generous givers to the body of Christ, our church family. To be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, giving generously of ourselves so that our faith family might be whole and healthy. So here's what I hope that you hear today and and have an opportunity to think about, wrestle with, be in conversation with your family members, your friends. I think we all have our reasons for being a part of a faith community, but we maybe need to think about and and test our reasons. To hear that God desires for each and every one of us to see how we are a part of the body of Christ, each of us a unique part, but that we make up a whole, and that the primary reason that we are here is to give of ourselves to our faith family and our community. Because when we live this way, when we are sacrificially living, then, then, dear friends, we'll be able to share the love of God with the world beyond our community of faith. So here's your invitation for today. I want you to really consider why it is that you're here at St. John's. Why do you come each and every Sunday? 
Is it for a variety of things that are kind of internal to you? Maybe your own needs, your wants. Maybe it is because it's tradition to you. Or is it because you know that you are an integral part of the body of Christ? That you have a role to play sacrificially in the giving of yourself here? And then to ask how God might grant you an opportunity this week to truly give of yourself. To give of yourself to your community of faith. To volunteer in some way in which you might make a difference here. And in doing so, to know that God has gifted you for it, called you for it, and will use your gifts to bless someone else. Will you join me in a moment of prayer? Gracious Lord, we know that Paul instructed Timothy, his co-worker and friend, that those in the church should relate to one another as members of God's family. That we should be like to each other, mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters, to be loving with one another and to take care of each other. To know that as one member benefits, all members benefit. As one member suffers, all suffer. May we in this same way respond to your prompts to show practical love within the church. May we reconsider our attitudes where they fall short of those that reflect your glory. May we acknowledge where we are holding back and not giving fully as a member of this body of Christ. We ask that you heal the hurts of our past, lift the burdens that we carry, so that we might be the full, whole body of Christ, serving one another in the world. And we ask this in Christ. Amen. I'm going to invite our